Hey yo, what's up beautiful people? My name is Victor Moses Matrizo. I've here come today to initially introduce my podcast known as Bad Vibes. Bad Vibes, okay. As you know, the topic is bad vibes. Bad vibes in your own general thinking, you'll think that it's all about bad vibes. But mine is to talk about the challenges which youths encounter on their day to daily life, such as drugs, addicts, you find sexual assaults, many more. So, why do youths take drugs? You think taking drugs is some, someone's choice? No, it's not someone's choice. So what you have to do is that we need to talk about these issues because uh, in the next generation, whereas it will come, you'll find uh, many youths taking drugs. So if this thing is not solved today, who will solve it tomorrow? That's a question that you should be asking yourself. Uh, today, I want to talk about the challenges with which youths face. The first challenge is that drug abuse. Drug abuse comes as a result of youths being desperate. There are many ways in that a youth can be in a drug addict way. So the first one, you find a boy or a girl has been heartbroken. So the only solution to relieve the stress is by taking the drugs which you find it is an awkward reasoning as a normal person but according to her or his own thinking is thinking that is something good so that's the major cause of why people do take drugs another one is due to peer pressure so you find a boy or a girl in a group of their gang one is being influenced to take drugs so he has no otherwise but, but to do so or you find that uh, all his friends are taking drugs but the first day he's reluctant saying no i'm not taking drugs the second day saying no i'm not taking drugs so the third time he'll see hey all my friends are taking drugs why shouldn't I try him trying <laughs> is a step of him joining the drug team so just a try giving it a try is a result of ending your life into drugs that's all next time we shall meet on the same time same place same episode Yo, what's up, guys? My name is Victor Moses Machisu. Welcome to my podcast channel, Good Vibes Clueless. Today we're going to talk about love, hate, not love, hate. We're going to talk about love, sex, and heartbreak. Love, sex, and heartbreak. So, what's love? Love is a general question, whereas you be found being asked what's, what's love is that affection that feeling that you feel for somebody then we have sex 
we don't need to define sex because these are terms that have been taught in primary school then in high school so it's up to you then we have heartbreak heartbreak is when uh, your spouse leaves you you remain there at broken <laughs> so let's start with how love is related to sex uh, many a times you find people having sex just to fulfill their love term you find somebody they haven't finished even a week they have already have they, they already have sex so whose problem is always that don't be quick to react don't be quick to open those legs of yours you know that's where heartbreaks will come into drawing <laughs> drawing and knocking whereas uh, when a man has already had sex with you he has already felt your taste and uh, he leaves you so guys don't be quick to have sex just take it slow many occasions I've had some people having sex after one month you find others having sex after two months you find others after one year some after three years in their relationship some are even shocking you find them they have met today after some days they've already have sex so it's not my problem you know as as girls thoughts the only thing that if I have uh, sex with this man he'll be loyal to me no you're, you're always lying to yourself there's a scenario where you find a man seeking for sex and um, is really seeking really really seeking for sex whereas the girl refuses at the end you find a man breaking up with the girl because the girl has refused to give her sex that's that's insane man guys you should be upright upstairs because uh, you can't be seeking for sex for somebody if she isn't ready yes she will give you but that will consider it as, as a rape so change your ways on how to seek those things another thing is that um, this sex you know nowadays sex is, is rampant you find children a younger child uh, at an age of 15 has already uh, had sex with another girl so you you just wonder the class 8 student having sex at an early age where is this generation going to that's the question you should be asking yourself what about the next generation you'll find children at a younger age of 9 to 10 having sex it's not about the next generation this this these are the things that daily occurs you find people having sex i'm always wondered so there are many ways where heartbreaks can occur one is when you're being unfaithful in a relationship you go having sex with another man yet you have your man in your relationship so that's a that obviously will lead to heartbreak another one is that when you're not uh, in good terms with the man like uh, your conversation are always going astray you find that he talks these you talk these so you cannot meet so your conversation are always irregular whereas that can also lead to heartbreaks because you're not in good terms 
another thing is that um you you've got a lot of friends in your phone you're a girl and you've got a lot of friends in your phones mainly boys are your friends and you expect your man to still love you while the things you're chatting with the girl with the men on your phone are so weird like they're just awkward whereas you sex chat you know obviously your man will feel jealous and jealousy is the is the is the is the pillar to all these heartbreaks what you should do to prevent heartbreak is that uh, you should always be loyal loyal as uh, even if you're not giving your man that what you what he wants you can satisfy him by just being next to him telling him good words you know then another thing is that uh, you should uh, always build the trust in your relationship just build the trust in your relationship and be faithful in that relationship so after building the trust is where you can be reluctant not only being reluctant but just building the trust so i've seen many distance relationship working out because they trust they do trust each other not whereas you find a girl has gone to Mombasa the man is in Kakamega and you find obviously the man will always be worried what are you doing in Mombasa are you safe yeah you know those are the same questions whereas when your spouse is far away you'll always be wondering so uh there's this thing that i always find it challenging whereas uh, you find a man as married at an early age <laughs> you know always find it awkward because as early as uh, 21 you've already gotten your your wife so the the main problem is that uh, where with the responsibilities come from how will you cater for the needs of that girl how will you provide everything that she wants you know you put yourself at a high risk whereas you'll find yourself stealing to provide for this girl yes you had a small job hoping that uh, it will last forever but due to circumstance the job ends you're with that wife you've already impregnated her you can't leave her cuz uh is a must to provide for the needs imagine paying fees at an early age <laughs> you start with baby care pp1 not pp1 yeah those those under under schools you'll hustle my brother you'll really really hustle to cater for the needs of the child so what I urge you is that uh, wait for the right time to come is when you will uh, get married marriage is always there waiting for you don't rush for it as long as you just settled as long as you've settled and uh, you have the finance where you can provide it's okay but I'll urge you to just settle fast 
think for plan for your future think what next you know then is when you can get married to the girl you want that's a uh, an encouragement me i'm not urging you to stop but the scenario nowadays there are disadvantages in love sex and heartbreak many many disadvantages you find a boy loving a girl no wonder there is these cases of high in high pregnancy in high school is rampant because uh, you find those people are young their ages ranges from 16 to 18 so you find a girl who's falling in love with a boy at a certain school they start vibing of the vibing they vibe the vibe 613 613 then finally they have sex the worst thing they do is that they have sex with an unprotected sex so you know the 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 repercussions whereas say that the girl gets pregnant she can get pregnant and also contract the STDs plus the HIV and AIDS so you land up you, you land up getting HIV and also being impregnated and even STDs so those are the disadvantages of, of love hate sex and heartbreak uh if and a girl has fallen in love they they've had sex the problem is uh so the girl is pregnant so being pregnant when is giving birth high chances of her surviving is low cuz at times we'll find the baby has died the mom is alive or the mom is dead the baby is alive so you've just killed yourself at an early age you're not forced you got into yourself into it that's the main problem that will always keep on challenging you so keep that in mind what if i get pregnant sooner and i die because of, of all my needs <laughs> my desires that i needed you needed sex those are your desires you needed it at an early age god himself told you wait until you get married is when you'll get sex so you you just rushed onto it and had sex so that's the that's one of the disadvantages and many many more let's leave that pregnancy these is dds so utapata umechoma semu zako nyeti yani you've just burnt your your engine you you, you only urinate blood your your machine is rotten you can't do services have <laughs> you seen the car which is a car which is that is just there can't do anything can't move the engine of the car is rusted you know guys it's not high chance but youth this podcast that i build is only for you for you you and you alone so i urge you mostly to change change for the better if you change for the better it will be best cause uh, your ways will be parallel you'll be in a good shape whereas 
you can tell this person let's do this for the better you know you are the lead of your life don't make someone to ruin your life don't allow someone to be the lead of your life have a nice day bye Nairobi city They say you don't really know what hustling is here until you find yourself in a hall full of people listening to a pitch about multi-level marketing aka network marketing Multi-level marketing is basically a type of pyramid scheme that's legal Unlike an illegal pyramid scheme members of an MLM earn primarily through product sales However What makes them a type of pyramid scheme is that the business model is structured like that of a pyramid scheme where individuals earn through recruiting and in most MLM companies individuals make money predominantly through also recruiting. Now there are many MLM companies in this city and with the rate of unemployment being so high in Nairobi hundreds of thousands especially the youths desperately seeking employment have without a doubt made their way into these seminars and i too got sucked into this mlm madness and here is my story in forever living this is what they said to me hey if i showed you a way to make over 500k a month would you be interested do you want to be your own boss working from whenever and wherever you want you could travel the world you could buy mansions cars jets yachts whatever you want And remember, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity that will lead you to financial freedom and have you retiring at 30. Don't you want to retire at 30? Don't go around asking for people's opinions about this because they're only going to discourage you to keep you at their level. Don't even think about it or you're going to miss out. Just join now. Of course, this whole thing seemed too good to be true, but I was desperate so I gave it a shot. Besides, if this was true, I'd be a fool to pass up on this opportunity because hey, I was only going to stop being broke at the end of that month, so why not give it a chance? Oh man, I remember being so excited about this gold mine that I'd been introduced to over the weekend. And on Monday, I was up early, all dressed up and ready to go all in on this business. So I got to the warehouse and my upline among other things, she said, "Hey, By the way, you're required to pay the startup arc to join this company. It consists of the introductory book and the product catalog, plus a few products that you need to start with. Look at it as an investment. It's only 25k. Huh. So then, so then I asked her, did you realize I was only looking for a job because I don't have any money, right? Anyway, since I couldn't afford the sign-up fee, she did explain to me other ways that I could just join without having to pay the fee, which is either to get people who could afford to buy the products or just sell products for 25k so that I could have my name on their system. This is how she also had joined this business. And I thought, "Hey, that was reasonable enough for broke people like me." right so then i kept on asking questions i followed with some you know some deeper level questions that were either eluded or dismissed or answered but lacking in details this was a red flag but i had no choice therefore my upline proceeded to get me acquainted with the business and she did explain to me where i could get clients and possible future recruits hi i just started a new business let's meet over coffee so i can tell you more about it Hey you, 
I know it's been a while, but I just found this amazing opportunity that I'd like to share with you. Hi. Hey, I have honey. This amazing I know this is random. I, I, make of money I was just looking at your page and thought phone. you would be a great addition to my team. These were some of the awkward messages that I had to send to everyone on my contact list and my socials throughout that week. And I even went as far as claiming that I was a health and wellness coach without certifications for it whatsoever. However much I said it, it just never felt right. So I reached out to my family, I reached out to all my relatives, my friends, friends of friends and everyone that I knew, hoping that they would either support or join the business. To everyone that received these messages from me, um, I'm embarrassed and I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, I had to do what I had to do. Furthermore, they would often say that anyone who discouraged you from this business didn't have your best interests at heart. Therefore, within my first week, I had already burned bridges with some of my friends and I. However, I hustled so hard that week that it came to me as a shock when the week came to an end and I had nothing to show for. I hadn't made a dime even though I did everything that they told me to do. Like why didn't I make at least 25k for the startup pack if indeed I was going to make that 500k that month. It didn't make any sense and this should have been another red flag for me but I brushed it off saying that hey I understand how business works sometimes. Some weeks are good, others are just bad. And so I said it wasn't my week. Hi, my name is Hi, Jane Doe and Jane I'm a manager Doe, an assistant manager at the business. Six months ago, I, used to be a I was nurse, sitting right where you're sitting now. Because I, wanted to really I come from a very poor background lives. and people said that I wouldn't and amount this to company, anything. I, have been able to I had no social life, no job. I was broke and I had absolutely nothing going on in my life. But look at me now. That big machine you saw at the parking lot on your way here is mine. sharing is caring. that is my dream. If you want to succeed faster to you have to share this opportunity with many people you possibly can so every day for an hour it is mandatory to sit through these meetings held by the top dogs as they share the same rags to riches stories with the newbies over and over bring at least two people to every meeting they said and every day there were new recruits but not many people that attended these meetings came back a second time another red flag right there but you would often hear them say Oh, this business is not for everyone. Not everyone is as aggressive as you and I. Not everyone has big dreams and aspirations in life. It was also mandatory to attend mindset trainings where they indoctrinated us with some new age beliefs like manifestations and affirmations. Then we were also required to listen to some mindset improvement materials and read all the self-help books. There was so much positivity and no tolerance for any kind of negativity whatsoever. It felt like a cult. And on my second week, I did okay. I worked as hard as I did the last week, but only managed to recruit a single guy. And that only made it to the meetings because he was hitting on me. But later, he got intrigued with the business and decided to sign up. I mean, you get recruit, right? Yeah, and I also got to make my first sale. And I made a staggering 150 shillings. Yeah, 150 shillings. That's about a dollar and fifty cents only. That's all I made. I mean, by this time I should have made at least more. But like with every MLM, the celebratory aspect of it didn't miss in this company. No sooner had I made my first sale than my uplines announced it to the whole team, and everyone was clapping and cheering for me as if I'd crossed some huge milestone. But. <laughs> It was very awkward. I, on the other hand, I started to have anxiety about not being able to pay my rent. 
because at the rate of my income, it didn't look like I would. By now, I had no food in my house, my electricity was cut off, I only had 150 shillings. Furthermore, I couldn't even afford the bus fare to get to town to attend these mandatory meetings. But at times, my uplines were kind enough to pay for my transportation and my lunch. But even then, they couldn't keep up because they were barely making any sales. I'm sorry, but your products are very expensive. Isn't that a pyramid scheme? It sounds like a pyramid scheme. I'll think about it. I'm not interested. I'm not interested. That's, a pyramid, That's a pyramid scheme. This is this not, is for, not me. for me. Sorry, sorry I, will not, I will, will not join. By this time, I kind of started to get frustrated with this business and I decided to confront my upline. So I asked her, hey, is this a pyramid scheme? Like, why do people keep telling me that it is? And he said, no, 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 it's not a pyramid scheme. Those people that are saying that just don't understand this business. They don't understand the dynamics of this business and sudden things like that. So then I asked, if everyone were to sign up, who would be left to sell the products to? Yet he he didn't really answer my questions, so I asked him, why are these products so expensive? And he tells me, quality is expensive. Why am I barely making any sales? Hey, how do you expect to make any sales since you yourself don't use these products? So yeah, every day they would push heavily on us to buy the products from the company for our own personal use. And slowly, I became a customer hoping to be a walking testimony to my prospects. They would only buy the cheap products because that's all I could afford. So by the third week, I was holding my first meeting as an upline. I was acting as if everything was going great and I was doing very well in this business while also feeling glamorous life on Instagram. And sometimes I wondered, was I the only person that was doing poorly at this business? Because every evening at the team meetings, everyone would say that they were making sales and recruiting more and more people to their teams. In reality, I now realize that most of it was just a facade considering the amount of pressure our uplines put on us to fake it till we make it plus all the toxic positivity fed to us at all times together with all the manifestation language there was no room for negativity or even reality there and if anyone wasn't selling as much they were treated differently they would say that hey maybe they're just not taking their daily affirmation seriously or it's because of their negative thinking or because they just weren't working hard enough they made me feel like I wasn't working hard enough, which couldn't have been farther from the truth. They made me feel like it was my fault that I wasn't making any money. I wasn't making any sales. But to be honest, who can control the outcome of their input though? Like, that's not something anyone has control over. You can work as hard as you want, but you can't really control the outcome. And I gave all to this business. I gave all to my business. But they would say, give 200% to this business. You can always do more and more. If you want more, you just have to do more. Which is ironic because in the beginning, they offered me an opportunity that would allow me to work less for more pay. But there I was working almost 24-7 but with no pay. And I proceeded to push even harder. But not much came out of it that week also. I made no sales. Again. And my anxieties were now skyrocketing at the thought of being rent at the end of the month. Every end of the month at the most expensive hotels in town, the company would host grand events. 
in honor of the business owners who just made it to the next level in that month. They would hire limousines to make a statement and also made sure to have a red carpet and hired professional photographers just to take pictures of us so that we could feel like celebrities. At these events, usually the 1% that were really making it in the company would give motivational speeches started off by the usual rags to region stories. These monthly events and the annual conventions were held mainly with the intention of targeting new prospects. The grand gestures of wealth and other material things were used to lure in the naive and vulnerable young adults looking for ways to get rich quick. What they promoted was the glamorous lifestyle, selling them on hopes and dreams using emotional manipulation and also feeding them an ideology of guaranteed success once they joined this MLM company. Invite, invite, invite. At least 10 people. Buy tickets, buy tickets. You don't want to miss out. This was the song that they sang all throughout my fourth week in the company because on that weekend lied one of their monthly events and the uplands who tried to instill the fear of missing out on us if we did not get the tickets. I, however, I never got the hype of these events. I mean, so there are limos and red carpets and four-course dinners at five-star hotels. Big deal. I had a life outside of this company and most of the time when I told them that I was teaching the events to attend maybe church or something like that, they would try to discourage me saying, you will miss out a whole lot. I worked my hardest on my fourth week in this company because I had to make rent on the first day of the next week. I had five people come in to listen to the presentations. I presented the business to other new random people that I met. I did everything. I did four presentations at four different prospecting locations. I went to gyms, I went to hotels hoping that I'd just get someone to either buy the products or just join the business, but my efforts to me no Again, I made no sales that week. And also, I didn't get anyone else to join my team. So instead of making the promised 500k, I only made 150 shillings. And my landlord had knocked on my door and reminded me that I was late on my payment. And so, prompted by the false hope of a better month and making 500k, I asked him to let me live off of my deposit that I'd made when I first moved in. So then, on that month, I'd have to pay him double. Because hey, I was going to make that 500k and never have to worry about being broke again. I was so stupid, I should have quit right then. However, I was hungry for the 500k. So I kept going at it. Fortunately, my business started picking up the second week of the second month in the company. I grinded as hard as I could and I was so excited when I made sales here and there as it was looking like my grind was finally paying off. In that month, I managed to recruit a couple who were also at a very vulnerable state when I met them. For they had just been laid off from their previous jobs. Therefore, this MLM company appealed to them. And because of this, I never made any money from them because they could not also afford this sign. So yeah, in that month, I made a total of 8,500 shillings in profits. And from this, some of the money just went back into the company through being pressured into buying the products and the tickets for the monthly events. The rest of the money, I just used to basically sustain myself. But even then, I didn't reach my rent at the time because at the time, I was living in an apartment where I was paying 10,000. I never made rent for that month again. Therefore, I got evicted and had to move into my brother's apartment.
So now, with the weight of having to pay rent taken off my back, I swore that I was going to succeed at this business and nothing was going to stop me. And you know what my lame excuse was? My lame excuse was that I was too worried about rent, therefore I couldn't give all my attention to this business. Which is ironic because in the first place, when I first joined this business, my number one motivation was to be able to pay my rent. And to think I would have realized by now that I was not going to make that 500k. I didn't quit. I worked even harder. And by the third month, I had run out of people to prospect, so I had to befriend a lot more random people. Everywhere that I went with the intention of either turning them into clients or my downlines. So once, while I was in the process of befriending strangers, well, I used to befriend anyone. Just anyone that I could find. Young, old, male or female, whoever. So an angry lady at 1am, she came banging at my brother's door wanting to fight me because she had seen me speaking with her husband and we had only spoken about the business apparently she thought that i was his mistress but i couldn't even remember who her husband was or what his name was because in a day i'd speak to so many people that i had a hard time keeping track of them all this woman looked crazy and i was scared for my life because you know i'd had stories of jealous wives pouring acid on the so-called mistresses faces just to disfigure them as punishment and i didn't want that to happen to me i was scared eventually she figured out that she had made a mistake and together with her husband they found me and apologized <laughs> oh my goodness oh there was this other time another angry lady she was a stay-at-home mom she looked bitter she stormed into the warehouse accusing me of being her husband's mistress because I kept calling him and the reason I kept calling this man is because he was one of my regular clients and I was just calling to inquire of his next purchase. You see this business required constant follow-ups with our clients and prospects. Even though I never called this man during odd hours, this lady was very adamant about it. She was like, why do you keep calling my husband? <laughs> I was just trying to do my job. So yeah, just like the first one, she realized she had made a mistake and she came back to apologize and I took advantage of that and tried to turn her into my client or get her to join the business but it didn't work out because to be honest i was kind of offended that she had thought that about me and so i told my client about it so at this point i started losing interest in the business because sometimes out of my own pockets i'd run ads on social media but even those didn't bear me any food but i did manage to get to the next level which they call an assistance supervisor and i was so excited but even at that level I wasn't making as much as they had hyped that I would be. I'd go weeks of making little to no money and a few days of making not more than 10,000 shillings in profits and I never made any money through my downloads because they were also struggling. No one wanted to join this business, it was harder than what they had made it seem in the presentations. You see, they sold me a dream and I bought it. They said that this company would make me a millionaire overnight. They promised flexibility and promoted the idea that I was going to become my own boss, dictating my income. They promised an easy lifestyle and I got the total opposite. In reality, I was just an underpaid sales intern working on commission with even more hours than those working 9 to 5. In the name of forever living products, I lost more than I ever gained. So I came to my senses and I quit. But to them I had failed at this business because anyone who left was a failure. But the truth of the matter is that no one who left was a failure. Or in multi-level marketing companies, once saturated, there's not much of a potential for the people at the bottom rank to make a decent amount of money. MLMs are not sustainable to the majority, but it only benefits the 1% at the top. The fact is that the business structure is designed to funnel money towards the top. And they were right. This business is not for everyone. It appears to be, but it only benefits the 1% who are at the top. 
and boy did I learn this the hard way. But you don't have to. If you're contemplating joining an MLM, please don't do it. It's a scam. You're not guaranteed success and there's really no quick way to get rich. It's everywhere. The plague. It's everywhere. This thing. This thing is like a tumor in the brain that needs and should be removed immediately. The everywhere. And I hear the Lord say, yes! Spreading like a wildfire. God is telling me to tell you your story has changed. In every corner, they speak lies. Miracle money into your account by this week. Go and check yes. your account. Lies that steal, kill, and destroy, like the devil himself. They prophesy the delusions of their own minds, saying, Oh, I had a dream. And I found myself falling through the air, and I landed in this actual prison cell. I saw a vision. This was a, a vision, okay? Like, like an angel just showed up right now. And in every way, the shepherds lead the flock astray with their reckless lies. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves, secretly introducing destructive heresies. So now tell me, how would you know if your pastor was leading you astray? How would you know if you're being fed another gospel, other than the true gospel of Jesus Christ? What if I told you that most of what you've been hearing from your pastor in the pulpit or the mainstream media was a false gospel? Sure, scriptures are quoted from the Bible, the sermons, they sound right. However, what you're being taught is a bit of scripture, plus a lot more of unbiblical teachings that are very subtle to the biblically literate. So what really is the prosperity gospel? Well, it is the belief that God's purpose in the life of every believer is to make them healthy and wealthy. Some call it the name it and claim it, or the beloved and grab it gospel. Others call it the health and wealth gospel. Whatever you call it, the message is the same. God wants you rich in every aspect of your life, especially financially and health-wise. These two go hand in hand for they argue you cannot enjoy the blessings of God in your life if you're not healthy now, can you? So Razor, what's wrong with this belief? You might ask, doesn't God want to make me rich? Well, we can talk about the problem with this belief before first looking at the theology behind it. So firstly, they believe that the atonement of Jesus Christ extends to the sin of material poverty. In other words, God put our sin, our sickness and diseases, our sorrows and grief and poverty on Jesus Christ at the cross. They derive this from verses like 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. He became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. And by his wounds we healed. Isaiah 53 5. So the error in this view is that a contextual reading of this verse is communicated totally different things. It talks about the believers emptying themselves of their riches in service of their Savior through the grace of Jesus Christ. These two verses talk about our salvation and spiritual health. But even if this verse is addressed our physical health and wealth, why are so many Christians living in poverty? Why do some prosperity preachers suffer from cancer? Why is childbearing still extremely painful? even for the believers. In Matthew 8, 20, we see that Jesus himself wasn't rich. He didn't live in a mansion, nor did he wear designer outfits. The second thing they believe is that they're heirs to the Abrahamic covenant. They believe that every believer is entitled to all that God promised Abraham because they are his spiritual children, which means that they are heirs to Abraham's blessing of faith, which also includes health and wealth according to Galatians 3.14 but the problem with this view is that the verse, when read in context, is talking about justice and salvation through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The third thing they believe is that 
When Christians give, they give in order to attain material compensation from God. They believe in the law of compensation, which means giving generously. Then God is going to give back more in return, like sevenfold up to a hundredfold. It's time to give. I didn't hear you. It is time to give. It is time to be blessed. I want you to release what is in your hands so that God can release what is in his hands. This belief is derived from Mark 10, 29-30. There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Now there's nothing wrong with giving in and of itself, but this view encourages giving with the wrong motive. Furthermore, rogue preachers twist this verse and coax the congregation into giving even more than they're able to, supposedly to finance the gospel to the world. As you saw your seed, the heavens will shake. The heavens will shake, shake. God will say, what just happened? And the angel will say, so what, so what just saw the seed? And God will say, go and give him his testimony. Angel, what are you waiting for? Go right now. That is what's about to happen. However, giving should come from the heart and it should be done cheerfully. You should never be coaxed into doing it. And when you lend, expect nothing in return. That way your reward will be great. So the fourth thing they believe is that prayer and fasting are tools to force God to grant prosperity. This belief is drawn from James 4.2. You do not have because you do not ask God. The error in this is that prayer here is made man-centered. It's all about man. All the focus is on man's desires. It's all about what we want and what God can give us. You see, it tries to manipulate God and impose man's will on God. But according to Matthew 6, 9-13, Jesus taught us how we should pray instead. Prayer is submitting to God's will. It's about asking for God's will to be done and not the other way around. The fifth thing they believe is that faith is a self-generated force that leads to prosperity. They believe that faith is a spiritual energy or force or power that forces God's hand. So long as you have faith, God will do whatever you want. They view faith as the key to material gain. President of a country, each country, if they are not tired of counting money, I myself, I am still looking for money. I'm looking for money. So I am going to start from this partnership. So that in order for me to now to receive more and more, for me to grow higher in Jesus' name. The faith is a gift from God. Faith is trusting in God and not yourself and your own faith. So now that you're aware of some of the popular beliefs that the prosperity preachers uphold, you should gracefully call them out on these things. But before you do, you should know this. You will hear them quote this to you. Touch not the Lord's anointed. Do my prophets no harm. My brother, my sister, be careful if you raise your voice against the man of God. Even if that man of God is wicked, sickness will come on you. Or, do not speak evil of the ruler of your people. Nobody touches that. Yeah, that's right. The aggressive and manipulative tactic that works every time. Because the believers don't fully understand the meaning of these verses. These verses are the most misused and have been twisted by these false preachers to manipulate the congregation and gain immunity from being questioned. So usually when these verses are quoted, they mean that you shouldn't challenge anything coming from the mouth of the man of God or the woman of God. And it effectively silences anyone who doesn't know or understand what these verses actually mean. Now questioning what you're hearing is not bad at all. In fact, the Bible encourages us to do so according to 1 John 4. 1. I mean, even the Bereans were commended for this. In Acts 17.11. This is what these verses actually mean. When God spoke of his anointed ones and his prophets, he was referring to his people, that is the Israelites. The ones he had made a covenant with. He was in no way specifying a single minister or a Christian, but he meant everyone and not just a small group of 
special Christians. He was protecting each and every person who is called by his name, who are those who believe and follow him. So if you're born again, you're anointed of God. You see, you and I are important to God just as much as these ministers are. Touch not my anointed ones is for every single believer. Also, touch not my anointed ones means laying hands upon someone or causing them harm physically. We even see it through David who refused to kill the king, but he did not hesitate to speak the truth about Saul. Touch not my anointed ones doesn't mean we can't speak the truth, but it means we just can't harm them physically, you know? But it's a warning for God's people and the enemies of his people. Another verse they often quote is, do not judge or judge not. But the Bible does command us to judge by the standards of the word. That's how we're supposed to judge. If we receive teaching that does not conform to the word of God, it's our responsibility to question it. Questioning wrong teaching and manipulating our controlling leadership does not constitute harming the Lord's anointed. We are commanded to do so. Besides, Matthew 7, 1 through 5, Luke 6, 42, John 8, 7. I'll talk about hypocritical judgment. And it's so tragic that many are deceived without realizing the impact of the ramifications of this false gospel. For one, it promotes idolatry, and in three ways. One, it encourages worship of the preachers. They're put on a pedestal, and everything they say is like God himself speaking. The second way idolatry is promoted by this false gospel is the preachers are made the ultimate authority in the church. God is our ultimate authority, but here the preachers have the final say on everything, including our personal lives. And the third way is this. It promotes the worship of self or self-centeredness. All the focus is on man here. It makes us demand things from God as if he owes us. It's all about me. It's all about God existing to serve me. It's all about God existing to serve man. I mean, if the prosperity gospel is true, then God is irrelevant. So another danger of the prosperity gospel is that it promotes pride. They say that man is a little God. And since we're created in the image of God, whatever God can do, man can also do. But the truth is, we don't have the ability to bless ourselves. If we did, we wouldn't need God. Another danger of this false gospel is that it gives false hope. They quote the promises of God made directly to Israel as a nation and act like it's God's promises to individual believers, creating a false expectations in the minds of believers that it's always God's will to give them prosperity, which leads to disappointment with God. When the believer has prayed and fasted and spoken in tongues, Decreed and declared. I decree and I declare that the favor of God. But hasn't seen the results, they rage at God, which ultimately leads to shattered faith. Thinking you don't have enough faith to get answered prayers from God. And usually, unanswered prayers are faulted on not having enough faith. Have you ever wondered why God allowed someone to die because they were fasting to get their prayers answered? And shattered faith in turn leads to unbelief in God. I mean, why should you worship a God who doesn't keep his promises? With manipulation being the number one tactic used by these false preachers, here are some other ways they prey on the unsuspecting congregation. Smooth words, flattering speech. It's all good. God loves you so much. I'm just proclaiming the love of the Lord for you. He loves everybody. He affirms everybody. Bless you. God's going to bless your business. God's going to bless your kids. God's going to bless your health. God's going to bless my false doctrine. They're mixing a little bit of truth in a little bit of false teaching so that most people can't really figure out the difference because a lot of Christians aren't spiritually discerning enough to be able to discern between truth and error. Another sign of a false preacher when he just teaches certain things of scripture. Just the uh, good things that people want to hear. If you always only just preach prosperity, healing and blessing, 
give motivational messages, but he does not preach that you have to live holy, righteous before God. They'll twist scripture to make it say something completely different to what it actually means, just so that the sermon seems a little bit more tasty. They'll say things like, nah, God doesn't have wrath. God doesn't get angry. They might say, God only wants you to be wealthy. They'll feed you what you want to hear. They'll do the twisting of scriptures so that you feel indebted to them. And when they're asking you for what it is that they want, you don't feel like you can say no. And many in the congregation are deceived and planted every day by these worlds because... Number one, because of biblical and theological illiteracy. Many people who profess to be Christians never read the Bible. They don't have a firm grounding of scriptures. We don't know the Bible. If we don't know doctrine, if we don't know theology, it is virtually impossible for us to identify false prophets. The second reason you're deceived is because of greed and loss. Can you just be honest with yourself? Could it be that maybe, just maybe, it's because of this reason that you have surrounded yourself with these prosperity preachers? But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And the third reason many are deceived is because of desperation. People are desperate for solutions, so they just buy into this prosperity gospel. If you say to someone, follow me and God will give you what you want. If that person doesn't think they have any other options, then what option do you think they're going to take? And this is the sad truth about the prosperity gospel, which is no gospel at all. And the more tragic thing is that many who profess to be Christians, when you ask them what the gospel is, they will give you the definition of the prosperity gospel. And not to mention, many of these people have been Christians for more than a decade. But all this begs the question, what really is the gospel? Well, the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. But to understand what that actually means, I have to tell you the bad news first. The bad news is that we have sinned against a holy and just God. Therefore, he gave us the death penalty as our punishment. For the wages of sin is death. The good news is that he is also a gracious and loving God. Therefore, to save us from his wrath, he took our punishment and put it on his sinless son, Jesus Christ. And his wrath was brought upon him at the cross instead of us so that we could be reconciled with God. The gospel is salvation unto man through faith in Jesus Christ. The gospel is repentance unto salvation. In fact, this was the focal point of Jesus' ministry while he was here on earth. The gospel is God's grace towards sinful man. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The gospel is so simple that even a child can understand. False preachers are going to stick around and the only way to avoid being deceived is to study your Bible.